0: You're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to LiveResurgence.com. Thank you. I feel so at home. Uh, You're welcome to get comfortable, take your seats. And then we're going to go on into some more prayer, but that was such a great time of worship. I, uh, I didn't expect it over the top. I feel like I want to bring my wife and just move here. I don't know. She, that's probably just a crazy idea, but... <clears throat> Have you ever met a few people and they treat you like you're amazing? Amazing. And you become amazing and you're like, how did they, how did they know? <laughs> and it's not what they say, it's just how they treat you. I I think there's a grace on you to treat people like they're amazing and to call out the, the best. I just see that and I, I'm just so impressed just in the prayer room in that room over there where it seemed like you were all there. We could have just stayed, you know, but I, uh, there's tea here, of course. Good stuff. But thank you. Uh, you guys are connected more than, you know, and, uh, just so grateful to meet you and to, to realize that God is raising up a team of team players. I was thinking of, um, Couple of verses here from Philippians two. You probably know these few verses, but I, I think that um, the leader sitting down here, Trav, Travis, whatever you call him, I think he's a little bit like a coach. I have gotten really into NFL. I'm in Europe at two in the morning, watching online on a Russian channel. My team and just why am I so into it? I've never met those people. I don't, but but I think it's a story that grips me, and it's the storyline of the people. And my favorite person now is the coach. I, I mean, I like the players. I like everything. I realize you need a manager to build a stadium, and do the business, and you need everybody. But when there's a coach that can bring the best out of the team, maybe that team doesn't have the superstars that other teams have, but that team plays for the team. And I'm thinking, they've got an amazing coach. I want to be a coach like that coach. I want to bring the best out of the team. And I I just had some, a picture of Travis here, Like a coach, he could be the superstar. Many of you could be superstars, but he's laid that down. He's saying, I want to serve to bring out the best because God is building a body. And I see that in him, and I'm just a little bit awestruck. And then, Travis, I had this picture of ministry leaders I don't know if this has ever happened, but coming to you and saying, "Now I I can help you, and here's here's how to do it. It, Saul, you know, gave his the best, the the state-of-the-art weaponry to David and saying, I'm going to help you. Aren't you grateful? And David said, thank you, but no thanks. I'm going to set it down here because I got to do it my way. And I see Travis just saying, no, thank you to people that want to give him the the traditional thing. And he's just not buying it because he's captured a vision of something I think that is glorious. And uh, I just am... I, I feel like I should pay you for letting me come. And, and I, I just received so much. I mean, some of those prayers were so on... You wouldn't know. my. If someone would ask me what my mission statement would be or my desire, it would be to influence more influencers more. And someone prayed that almost word for word. And then they started praying about cities and about California. And you don't know my journey with California. You don't know how I went to the call and a prayer fasting deal in Sacramento to ask God for an inheritance in this, in that land. And then... I, heard, I sensed almost a little nudge, Jim, go ask Pastor Charles Stock. He's going to pray for a new Jesus movement because he was saved in it, and he's he was there, and I thought, I don't want to. Do I need to? And I thought, yeah, I should. Okay, it's the Holy Spirit. You, you know, it's better to, to guess and be right than to miss it. So I said, Pastor Charles, hi. He forgot my name, and that was fine. And I said, would, would you just pray for... God to do some things i'm i 'm here asking God for something in this in this uh, part of Southern California. This was in Sacramento, but I was going to be going down to the southern because the first Jesus movement happened anyway. It was key, and he prayed and he begins to prophesy, and he begins to pray that God would give provision of housing and blah 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 and a bunch of things. So two days later, I go down to uh well, wait a minute, I go to the bathroom to the porta potty and I come out and there's a woman with a microphone. She's from the local television news. Sir, why, where are you from? Why have you come here? And I said, because what happens in California does not stay in California. It affects the world. And, and I walked away and I thought, that's interesting. And I come to California, Southern California two days later and uh, some friends are introducing me to a guy He's Taiwanese. He owns a few hotels. And he turns to me and he said, Jim, you can stay free in either of my hotels with your wife as long as you want, whenever you come. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I just had asked for prayer. This man of God imparted something, and it just happened. It's like I think I'm on a new adventure. And But that's I don't want to tell that story tonight. But I wanted to read this out, um, what Paul said about somebody. He's writing to the Philippians, I hope to send Timothy to you soon, that I may be cheered up when I hear news about you from Timothy. They didn't have, you know, iPhones, so they had to use people. Uh, No FaceTime, he had to wait until he heard personally... How are they doing, Timothy? But this is what he said. I have no one else like him, Timothy. He had a lot of key players, just Aquila, Priscilla, Apollos, Barnabas. He he had a lot of key players. But he said, whoops, how come it went to Genesis? It's the devil. It's the (laughs) devil. Okay, here we go. I got it. Uh, I have no one else like Timothy who will show genuine concern for your welfare. I read that, and I, I said inside God, I want to be that guy that someone could say of me someday, he genuinely will care for people. For everyone else looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But, you know, Timothy, God, I want to be that guy. Can I be faithful to people, not interested in myself, not interested in selfish ambition? I want to be. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because like a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So I hope to send him to you soon. So I think Travis is a little bit like Timothy, not as timid, not as whatever, but I think when I watch his leadership and hear him talk, it's about bringing the best out of you. It's not about him. He could, he could be about him, but he said, no, nope, it's about bringing forth a new sound, a new, a new something, and I've, I just see this as a room of leaders It's like any of you could take the mic and just bring heaven down for the next half hour. And I'm thinking, why am I even here? I think I'll just sit in the back, maybe. Seriously, I just look around and I think, I've never seen such a high percentage of people that are engaged, initiating, running with God. And it's like, what is God doing here? It's nuts. It's unique. I've been trying to understand what is resurgence. And the longer I'm here, the less I think I get it. But I think that's good. So, and I don't even think you know what you've got. Wow. So I think there is a new movement that is history changing of people that are not into themselves, but they are so into him and his presence and his goodness and you have keys that will unlock for many things. So Tara, when you were, well, here's what I think about you. Sorry, put you on the spot. But I walked in this morning. You were saying something about prophetic blah, blah, blah. It was, it was, it was, not blah, blah, blah. It was good. Uh, I thought this lady's cut on. She's wrestled through to something. And I just want to say that because of your perseverance in God, you have unlocked something, not just for your own life or for resurgent, but out of the nation of Canada, because there shall come prophets and prophetesses who speak the word of the Lord. Something has been released. The enemy has been trying to to put a, to gag it, to stop it. He does not want that. But God says, because you have prevailed, something has been released, and he will release a flow of his word like has no, not been seen in generations. So thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Wow. I don't know what that means. I just felt I should mention that publicly. It's huge. It's for many. It's not just for her. So sometimes when we, we wrestle and we, we break through, God says, okay, now it's a breakthrough for many. So you're that group. It's not about being big or, or fancy or slick. I mean, some of you are pretty slick. Uh, that's okay. Do it. I, I love the purple hair. Karis, where's, is she still here? Oh, now Karis. Huh. Yeah. You have wrestled with who you are, and you've decided I'm unique, and I'm going to be the best unique Karis there ever was. But because you have been victorious in that, you are becoming an icon and many will look at you and they will say, oh, I can be unique. I can be me. And your freedom is freedom for many. So, so rock it. Keep rocking it and let it go because it's huge. I just see that. I, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't ask your permission. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I did. But it's really, it's a victory. Jesus and you represent something huge for so many in this nation that are wondering can I am I good enough but whatever and and when they see you it's like yes your yes is a yes to many so so glad to meet you I'm I know this is a little different this morning this, this it's night isn't it tonight but um I just felt like I should say a few things, and then in a little bit, we're going to just turn everyone loose on everybody. I don't know how it's going to work. But I think there, that, that God wants people speaking the word to one another in this room and to release something for for the kingdom through one another. It's just beautiful. It's wonderful. So, Danny, where are you? you I just, okay, yeah, I... I You know, when we were sitting at lunch answering those, like, questions in the back of the jigsaw puzzle, yeah, we remember we were sitting there, right? Yeah. And as I watched you, I saw someone who was, like, sincerely pulling out and engaging, and I thought, Danny is in the people's business, people business, if you know what that means. I mean, he probably does other stuff. I don't know what his day job is. You know, we all do stuff, but... I have rarely seen someone who so naturally and unconsciously takes an interest in people and is able to draw them. And I, what I saw in you is such a beautiful thing, whatever the thing is. It was beautiful. It's huge. And you are meant to pull many into significance and, and have energy and grace because you are that guy. I, I just see that on you. I just wanted to say that because it's true. My father-in-law was a pastor's pastor. When he died uh, in Cleveland, Tennessee, his memorial service, uh, a young man got up from the university, Lee University there, and he, he got the mic and he said, I did not know much about Brother McClung. That's what they called him in that circle, Brother McClung. But he said, I knew two things about Brother McClung. He was a chaplain for a little while at that university. He said... He knew my name, and I knew he liked me. And I walked away with that in my mind for weeks and months, thinking, oh, my goodness, what a description of someone that has a heart for people. I knew he liked me, and he knew my name. And so I embraced the pastoral side of me in a fresh way after that memorial service. Um... So, Danny, I just think what you carry is so wonderful and amazing and gracious, and I just wanted to say that to you. So I got the mic, so I did. But do, do, do you see that? Do you concur? Um, yeah. So hold him accountable to be the very best Danny he could ever be. Um, 25 years ago in the Netherlands, some of us were in a leaders' gathering, and we had a visiting a man of God named Rick Joyner. And he was saying some very wonderful, amazing things. And he, he said, and I'll never forget it, he said, God is raising up spiritual giants from the nation of Hungary. And I thought, wow, it resonated in my spirit. And I'd never met any, and I just never forgot that. And then when I met my friend uh, Donat, who's one of the leaders of this movement called Felhaas. Well, I'll just tell you the story. Okay. Short, because I think it applies. Four and a half years ago, a young student about 20 years old named Gaspar went to Uganda for a four or five month serving thing. And he kind of knew God, but not hadn't really connected with God. He got encountered in a bunch of crazy Ugandan revivalist kind of meeting. He encountered the Holy Spirit. His life was transformed. So he returned to his native Hungary. And he and Donat started to gather a few people. And it grew and it grew. And now they've been gathering as 20... They're 25 and 26 now. And Gospar's just finishing law school. And uh, they've been gathering groups up to two and 3,000 in venues, mainly in Budapest, but also around the nation. And it's a grassroots movement. God just did it. Local church leaders don't know what to do with it. But it's a God thing. And it's on the front lines of the newspapers because Gospar is the Prime Minister's son as well. And um, so I was able 10 days ago to spend four days in Budapest. And I spent a lot of time with several of those leaders, but especially with Gaspar and uh, Donat. And I asked them where this movement is going. And they said, well, we're ending the big meetings in March. And it's like, What? You're ending the big meetings. It sort of reminds me of Francis Chan who built this mega church and then he kind of walked away from it because he didn't want a church dependent on a celebrity. And he started this new thing called We Are Church. And it can, should multiply and not be dependent on him. And he was at our campus last year. The, the, he, he walked out on the platform and was sitting down and he'd never been there before. And uh, this would have been a year and a half, I don't know, June or July, he's, he was there. And he was acting funny on the platform, and I thought it was kind of weird. And he gets the mic, and he's kind of weeping and saying, you guys don't know what just happened to me. And he's saying, as I walked out, I think I heard God say, these are my kids. I've given you their them your DNA. I want you to take care of them. And he doesn't believe that God speaks because he is a cessationalist. C- cessationist, what? Yeah, doesn't believe in j- just the Bible. But he's being transformed. And as he's sitting there, a guy sitting next to him interrupts him, pokes him, and says these words, God says to you that these are your kids. You're to take care of them. And the same thing he heard from heaven, the next, this guy pokes him. And he's saying, I'm wrecked. I don't know what to do with this. And so he gives his teaching. And then he comes back about three weeks later on his own dime with his wife. And he sits down. I wasn't in the room, but my friend told me with Lauren and Darlene Cunningham. And just for a, a couple mornings, just said, tell us miracle stories. Tell us how did God speak? We want to learn. And so some of our teams have been in his ministry groups there in San Francisco, and healing began to break out and radical things, and he's just going after Jesus. And I just think God is doing something fresh. Uh, well, I know he is. And I was just so encouraged, like, to, to see that. And he comes once a quarter to our campus, and he's trying to help us because we don't do we do a few things good and a lot of things not so good. And he's trying to help us integrate people who graduate from our programs to, to find a real job and a real community and, and all that. And I'm so grateful that he's been doing that. But why am I telling you this? Well, there's a reason. So I'll go back to the story of Fellhaus. So I, I, the, the guy's in Budapest. And I said, well, what's going to happen? You're going to stop your public meetings? where's this thing going? And they said, well, one of one of the guys said he's joining the military. It's like, oh, okay. He said, I feel God wants me to get experience and blah, blah, blah that. And the other guy says, I'm going to start a radio talk show from 6 to 10 every morning. And um, well, what's happening to the movement? And they said, oh, we're, we're kind of releasing maybe 100 projects and teams. We've been raising up these leaders and we're just, we're just, We'll be there as fathers and, yeah, not mothers, they're men, but we we will, we're here and we'll meet with the leaders, but we're releasing a whole bunch of new things and we won't have these big high-profile meetings anymore. Uh, And I'm just thinking, wow, where where did these things even happen? And so I felt like I was sitting with two of the spiritual giants of the nation of Hungary that Rick Joyner had prophesied about 25 years ago. So what I sense is there's a feeling of movement, which a movement, it's not about how big it is, but it's about how much influence movements have. I remember the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, what's it, charismatic renewal days. Some of you heard about that in the 70s and 80s. Do you know what really was the group that God used the most to spread that, at least in my nation? It was a group called Full Gospel Businessmen. And you'd go there, and most of them were women. I don't know why they called them men, but they were... And and people would be baptized with the Holy Spirit by the tens of thousands and state it, it was just this... And it hardly exists anymore. There's a few, but it's not what it was. But it was a movement that God used for his purpose and I was thinking of being in DC when there were I don't know a million men maybe promise keepers before some of you were born saying we take responsibility for our nation as men and I was like oh my goodness that that was a movement that had impact and there's many movements that God raises up and I think you have the potential to impact from the you know across Canada and beyond, because you're walking the way you are with God. And I love it. And I just want to sort of say that to you as an outsider. Um, I think maybe the most important thing so far today, well, when we minister unto the Lord, that's probably the top thing. It's about him. So but second most important was probably this morning when I walked in a little late and the lead team were sitting here, you, you remember? And they were talking about their weakness, I think, or their humanness. So when I heard that, I thought, I just wanted to do cartwheels because I think we have a culture that we love to look at our strengths and I, I believe in strengths finders and you know, I, it's good stuff. But I think, in a way, we need to celebrate weakness. And it's, so Jesus was fully God, fully man, but he was really human. He, he was nine months in the womb. He was a pain to give birth to, I think. I hear that's painful. And, and he, fully human but fully divine, and there's something about our humanness that connects us to the culture. When I read the Bible, it's the, it's the painful stories that get my heart. When I read about Hannah, who was bullied uh, by this other woman and who was barren and who just, when she comes to, to the temple, she's such a mess that the priest thinks she's drunk. And she says, no, I'm not drunk, but I have poured out my heart to the Lord out of pain and brokenness. How I can identify with that so easily. And then he says, well, whatever it was you said, may God do it. And she gets pregnant. And then she brings Samuel, as she promised, to give him to be set apart from the Lord. He didn't have any choice. I don't understand it theologically, but here he is, a little boy. And then she'll come once a year with some clothes. You know, they, they grew. Little kid, boys grow. And, and then uh, the priest, Eli, looks at her when she comes with the, the clothes and says, may God give you children in place of the one you have given to the Lord. And she goes home. And, of course, it does take... Uh, she has five more children. She who was barren, full of pain, broken, that led her to an encounter with God, which allowed God to do something that the normal wife didn't quite have. She didn't raise a prophet that became the leader of the nation whose words never dropped to the ground. So the fact that you were talking about not being married and you're already 20 or whatever Uh, and that that is difficult I love that you would do that or whatever it was the different ones and that creates family that connects people and I I love that, and I think we should be strong enough that people respect us, but vulnerable enough so people can connect to us, and I think that's what Jesus did, and I think that God gives us the chance to be that way. So thank you for doing that. I I just think that is amazing because so many leaders want to hide their weaknesses and just show their strengths, and yet it's a new day, and reality means that we wrestle with one another but we connect and we believe in one another and out of weakness we are made strong and so that is prophetic for a generation actually and the very struggles that this generation has if they turn to the living God they will become strengths and the devil will be (coughs) amazed at what God does through this generation so I just wanted to say those few words to you um I don't know where God's taking you, but I have this confidence that it's amazing influence because you are influencers. The the last little word I have is just the word gather. Uh, This comes from, where is it here? Here it is. I was meditating in Isaiah 56 one day and it talks about the eunuchs let them not say I'm a dry tree I have a place for them, the foreigners they have a place if they join themselves to the Lord my house is to be a house of prayer for all nations it's the inclusive heart of God as you read through the first verses of that chapter but it's the verse after that one about being a house of prayer for all nations that really struck me, thus The sovereign God declares, he, God, who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather others to those besides those already gathered. And I thought, oh, my goodness, God gathers. Three times in one verse, it describes God as the one who gathers. And I began to think, what is spiritual leadership anyway? I mean, what does God do throughout the Old Testament? He's gathering, creating a, a people, a treasure. He's gathering them to Himself, giving them an identity. The prophets are gathering, pe- and and God would show up when they gather people. And then, what did Jesus do? Well, not much until he was thirty, and then he's baptized by his cousin. And what does God say from heaven? Yeah. Not, here's your agenda. These are the 12 men. Don't screw it up. Uh, No, no, no. You are my son. I love you. And I'm thinking, he didn't do anything yet. And you're speaking of your affirmation and love. So I think that's a foundation, obviously, for Jesus. And then as he invites people, there comes a day when he finally says, you are the 12. And many leave, and one is a denier and a betrayer, and they quit on him, and then he says, will you leave too? And they say, where else would we go? And so when Jesus leaves, he doesn't leave a book, an organization, a building. He leaves one thing, a gathered community, people that belong to one another somehow, and they belong to God, and they haven't got a clue where this is going because their leader just died. And he said, it's better that I leave because I won't leave you orphans. The mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is coming. And then, then you see the authority of, the, of those t- 11 uh, that were gathered and how God began to show up through team. And Paul, what did he do? Well, he would go to a new town Once he figured out life, it took him a number of years. Just be encouraged. He was in Arabia for years. He tried to join the disciples. They said, we don't get you. Stay out there. And uh, finally, Barnabas said, "I, I think I have a fit. And he takes him to this new place called Antioch, and he finds his stride in that Christian community. And then the Holy Spirit says, okay, separate these two. For the work and they he starts his trips and if you look at the maps at the back of your Bible he goes to a new place and he, he works until there are a new gathered people and he said I'm in travail like a woman giving birth until Christ is formed not in you as an individual but in you plural and when I see Christ formed in the city of Philippi job accomplished and I'm taking a few, and we're going to do this again. And all his life of active ministry, he would go and gather, and he left a gathered people. So my thinking is, leaders gather. And in our mission, what God's called us, Lauren and Darlene Cunningham used to drive this hippie Volkswagen camper van from Bible school to youth group, inviting people to come on a Three months mission trip. And they would come. And then later they began to invite people not only to do outreach and evangelism, but to get trained. And they would fix a date and a place. And then they would invite mainly young people and a few older people that had authority in different areas. And then they would say, God, please show up. And he did. Again and again and again. And I know this might sound very really simple, but I just think leaders are people who gather others. So uh, Lauren said to me once, Jim, after I speak to a group of 100 or 1,000, I don't want to sit around and drink coffee with them. No, he's an introvert. He wants to go to McDonald's and go home. I, I've traveled a little bit with him. but um, And I'm thinking, but I don't want to, I'd rather not talk to the people, I'd rather make friends with two or three or four and walk away and feel like I accomplished my purpose. So what's better? It's to do the thing God's wired you to do. And I've discovered I really do best meeting with individuals and I have a capacity to walk with them over years and that's the way God's wired me. But when I read that Jesus saw Zacchaeus, you know, up in the tree, nobody wanted to go to his house, because he's chaos bad guy, and Jesus looked up and said, I'm, I'm inviting myself to your house, and he was, like, honored, whoa, the man is coming to my house, I thought, my passive days are over, I am going to invite myself into the lives of people, I believe by the Holy Spirit, and I believe God will show up, and he does, and it's like, oh my goodness, it happened again, I, So I just see you as people who will gather others. Some of you have a capacity for four. You know, a mega church of 10,000, not your style. It's okay. You start in university, find two or three other believers, invite them to some food, ramen if you're cheap, some food, uh, and, and just... Ask them what are they hoping, what are they believing for. Pray together, get into their lives. Like one friend who did that in Sheffield, England, some years ago. When he left the university, he created 41, he called them cell groups that were discipling, evangelizing, who just did three things. They would meet once a week, and they would do an upward connection somehow to the living God, and then they would do a one-anothering Connecting to one another. How are you doing? Do you need prayer? Is there a report you can encourage us with? And then let's pray for our unsaved roommates or people in the homeless or just the up in and out of the New Testament. Right? It's simple. I can remember that. And if you could gather three and they are faithful, they will gather others. And a movement just grows exponentially, and I see you as being faithful people who will gather others who will be faithful. So you just, we have this course in YWAM with weird acronyms, uh, Making Disciple Makers. Did I say that right? Yeah, making, discipling, disciple makers, something like that. In other words, we want to raise up people who will pass on, who will create a movement so that faithful men will will multiply into faithful men and women, etc., etc. And I think that's in you. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but it doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters that you do it. In faithfulness, you find people, you connect, you connect them to a few others and you connect them to God. And then you say, God, you better show up or it's going to be lame. He loves that prayer. He just loves the prayer, help. It's a good one. We should pray that a lot. And... Um. So, so we've been gathered here. Someone set a date and time and a place, and the Holy Spirit wants to show up, and He has shown up. So tonight, I'm gonna. I'm done talking. Thank you for letting me talk. But I, I just, I'm gonna ask uh, Travis if he'll come, and I just think we're gonna have a time. I think there were, well, I think there's other words, but I I wanted to say those few to the few of you. But I think there's a one anothering going to happen where the Spirit of God is going to come and encourage and release, and there'll be breakthrough tonight because He wants to do it through one another. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liverysurgeons.com.